Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. There are various ways in life that we are hurt by people that we love and care about. Sometimes it's because of the way they treat us when they're not doing too well themselves. Sometimes because they're trying to control us and we feel as if we're being treated as a child. But one of the greatest hurts occurs in marriage. And that's when one spouse winds up having an affair, either emotional or sexual, with another person. And then we find out about it. You might be thinking, if that occurs, how do you ever get past it? What if your spouse comes back and says, I'm sorry, I want to put it back together. Should I? Or is that thing about once a cheater, always a cheater? Is that true? I mean, I hear that all over the place. Is there some way I can forgive? Is there some way we can put this marriage back together and have it strong again? Well, the answer is yes. We have worked with thousands, and I'm not exaggerating when I use that number, thousands of couples who've been through just that situation. Sometimes the husband was the cheater, sometimes the wife was the cheater, and now who are doing extremely well in their marriages. So let's talk about how do you forgive a cheating spouse? I'm Dr. Joe Beam with Marriage Helper, and this is Kimberly Holmes, our CEO. She leads us in powerful and mighty ways. Kimberly's currently working on her PhD. It'll be kind of fun to see her when she gets done with that, so she and I can then get on these things and argue back and forth one doctor to another. That'll be fun. <laughs> I'll do that now. <laughs> <laughs> and often do. And often do. And be sure to stick around until the end because we are going to tell you how to get a free ebook that can help even more when your marriage has been affected by an affair. So stick around to hear more about that. This is Relationship Radio, an extension of Marriage Helper International, hosted by renowned marriage and relationship expert, Dr. Joe Beam and CEO of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Beam Holmes. We answer your questions directly with research-based principles that you can implement immediately. Regardless of the situation, what we teach will not only make your relationships better, but will also help you to become the best version of yourself along the way. Turn up the volume and prepare to take notes as we begin this week's episode of Relationship Radio. of weeks ago, I was traveling and speaking at an event and there was a guy who had heard me speak, talk about us at Marriage Helpers saving marriages. And he said to me, why would I ever forgive someone who cheated on me? And I looked at him and he was clearly still frustrated, still upset. And, and I can't remember exactly what I said back. It was maybe tell me more or, or what happened. And he said, you see, I, I, my marriage just ended several months, a couple of months ago, and she doesn't deserve the forgiveness. And I said, you know what? I want to ask you, how is it affecting you though? 
What about this are you holding on to that is still hurting and impacting you? And the more we talked, I was able to explain to him about limerence. And it was amazing to watch his, his countenance change. He began to cry and he said, that's exactly what happened to my wife. And he started to have understanding. He started to realize maybe she isn't this terrible person that I've painted her to be. And then he further opened up and said, this was my third marriage. And he hadn't forgiven any of the three. And so, of course, he was angry. He was carrying all of this with him. And I tried to share with him, there's power in forgiveness, even when you don't feel like forgiving them. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So did it appear to be that he felt that because he had not been able to forgive for marriage one or marriage two, that that was one of his problems in marriage three? A hundred percent. Yes. Okay. So I, I reacted a minute ago and I said, ooh, when you said third marriage, I just want all of you to understand I was not putting down somebody who was in a third marriage. I was instantly seeing what Kimberly was describing like, oh, he's repeated a pattern. And if he doesn't find a way to solve this. That's right. And so in our conversation, he said, I will never get into another relationship because you can't trust anyone. And you begin to see it when there's a lack of forgiveness, when when you hold on to that hurt you begin to shut everyone else out. And it's not the best way to go through life because we're meant to be in close relationships with people. We're meant to have that kind of intimacy with a husband or with a wife, right? Like that's how God created us. But that's also what research shows shows us leads to really healthy, long-term, lots of things, psychological benefits, mental health, wellness, immune systems, right? All of the things. And so- it's amazing how powerful forgiveness is. It is. Uh, in our intensive three-day workshop we do for marriages, uh, typically the people who come through that are in trouble. Not all couples. Some couples come through. We, we welcome anybody. Some come through because they want to make their marriage better. But most, most of the couples that come into that are in some kind of a crisis. And we spend uh, a section on the last day of that workshop helping people understand what forgiveness is. And doing research of all the good research out there about what forgiveness entails, we put some things into that workshop that we can't, we don't have the time to explain here. If, if you really want to get to the point of being able to forgive, you must first embrace the pain you feel. In other words, you can't just push it off to the side. Kimberly, several years ago, I was working with a young man whose best friend had committed suicide. And I'm trying to help this guy, but he kept laughing. No, nah, he was an idiot. Uh, and, I, and I said, you're dying on the inside. You can see his eyes. He was in great pain. But he's laughing, making jokes about it. No, he's an idiot. Always did stupid stuff like that. And I was thinking then, you know, if you don't stop and let yourself feel the pain, then you're never going to deal with this. Now, we're not talking about wallowing in pain. Oh, there are people who do that and spend years and years and years in these giant self-pity parties. And those are bad too. But if you're going to be able to forgive a, a spouse who cheated on you or anyone else who hurt you, sometimes you have to first go through Not sometimes. I think it's every time. You're going to have to allow yourself to, to embrace the pain, accept the fact that it happened. Let yourself feel the anger that's there. Not to hang on to it. But to, so that it's not just hanging over you, that you finally can deal with it. So, Kimberly, one thing we teach, and of course, we can only explain it briefly here uh, about and teach it in our workshop, for example, is that forgiveness has three phases, two of which 
are essential for your own health. And then the last of which, the third of which, if you want to put a relationship back together. So the model is called decision-based forgiveness. And these first two parts of it are that you choose not to take vengeance and that you choose to see the other person as a flawed human being, not an evil human being who was out to get you, who specifically wanted to hurt you in this way, but to see them as flawed. And then also choosing not to take vengeance, not to not to put it on yourself to rectify the situation by trying to inflict the same amount of pain on them that you feel. And because why is that, Joe? Because it will never work. I can never be sure that you hurt as badly as I do. And so if I'm spending my time trying to make you hurt or trying to figure out how to make you hurt as badly as I, I'm always going to be frustrated. Plus, that attaches me to you like the strongest glue out there because I, I can't let it go. I can't get past what you did to me. If I'm continually trying to figure out how am I going to make you hurt, even if it's not at the forefront of my brain every moment, the fact that it's in there, that somehow, someday, some way, I'm going to figure out how to hurt you as you hurt me, then you're tied to that. It, it becomes a ball and chain of your life. It really does. And so there's a difference in vengeance and justice. Justice, if they steal your car and you tell the police they stole the car, and that's justice. Vengeance. It's when I want to make you hurt as badly as I hurt. And you can never be sure that's going to happen. And that other thing, Kimberly, in previous programs, we've talked about the fact that once you categorize a person, you tend to treat them based on that category. So if I categorize you as evil, then I can justify anything and everything I do to you. Whereas if I categorize you as a flawed human being, well, then you're like me. Maybe you're more flawed, maybe you're less flawed, but you're like the rest of us. And so when you designate people as evil, literally, you can justify in your own mind whatever you do, no matter how bad it is. So these first two things are really for your own health. Mm -hmm. You free to find peace. They're also about empathy. And Brene Brown, who has done a lot of work in not particularly empathy, but in shame and vulnerability and, and different things like that. One of the quotes that I love from one of her books is when people are thinking about people who have hurt them in their past, she asks those people the question, how would the, the story that you are telling yourselves about them change if you said to yourself, what if they were doing the best that they could? And it's amazing in her research doing that, how people's mindset would change and they would go from being furious or angry, jealous, envious to being heartbroken and saying, wow, if that's the, if they were honestly doing the best that they could, then I feel for them. And so it's amazing how it changes even our, our hearts towards the people and changes us. Instead of because that helps us to not continue to have that negative thought about people who hurt us, but it teaches us to be more empathetic in nature as well. That's very good. Our, our friend Jeff King, who has a bachelor's degree in animal husbandry, points out those kinds of things. If, if there's a calf caught in the barbed wire fence and you go to cut the calf free, if the calf can, it's going to bite you. <laughs> 
At, but more like what a cow would do, a calf would do. If it can, it's going to kick you hard, even to the point it could break a, a limb. But it's not because the calf is evil or bad. It's because the calf is hurting and the calf is scared. And so that often happens with human beings. They're hurting or they're scared. And what they do is atrocious. We can't justify the behavior. But like you said, if I can understand where it's coming from, or at least have some glimpse of that, it's like, you know, I, I know you did an idiotic thing and that hurt me a lot, but it really wasn't about me. It's about your inability to cope with something that you're in right now. Yeah, exactly. We would never look at someone in an, uh, actively in an affair and say, well, they're doing the best they can for the situation they're in. The affair isn't healthy. Like that's not a good thing. Exactly. But how could we look at the situation and still try and find the empathy somewhere in it? They are stuck in something. They don't know how to get out. Maybe they're trying to cope for, for some pain that they're feeling. And this is the unhealthy way they're doing it. How can we find that sliver of it in the situation so that we can connect on a human to human level? Very good. I think that's outstanding. Now, if you were to come as a couple to one of our workshops, we would help you understand something about that, not by making you a therapist or a counselor. That's not what we do, but helping you understand that, that there are ways to begin to at least comprehend and have some empathy for what the other person is doing, even when it hurts you badly. Now, that third step, though, this is what sets apart us from the, the rest of the humanity out there is when not only can we not take vengeance and, and decide to see you as a flawed human being, but then we decide we're going to reconcile the relationship anyway. That kind of happened with parents and kids. We have seen that happen where kids are 50 or 60 years old and finally reconcile with their parents. It can happen with, um, with husbands and wives who are very alienated from each other, but finally can do that. But you're not going to be able to make the reconciliation work if you don't decide to not take vengeance, decide to see the other person, other person as a flawed human. If you try to reconcile without doing those two things, talk about a toxic relationship. <laughs> Talk about something that's going to be hellaciously bad to be in for both of you. So those are two of the things. So uh, we need to deal with the pain and then understand this process. And again, we can explain it a lot more in one of our workshops than we can here. What else, Kimberly? The key of this is that so many people say, I don't feel it yet. I don't feel like forgiving. I'm still angry at them. Therefore, I'm not ready. That's what the guy said to me at, at that event. He said, I'm, I don't feel ready to forgive her. I'm not there yet. But the key to decision-based forgiveness and why it's so powerful is you decide it even if you never feel it. But it's amazing how when you decide it and you decide, you choose to not take vengeance, you choose to not see them as evil, the feelings can eventually come but you have to make the decision to begin to let go of it first. Mm -hmm. I have on occasion in my life, of course, you know, I'm 149 years old, so I've been around a long time. But in my life, I have on occasion made those decisions and the feelings of forgiveness came almost that fast. The feelings. On other occasions, I have made those decisions, done what I was supposed to do. And it would take a while. I'm not talking about hours. I'm talking about sometimes months <laughs> before finally I actually felt forgiveness toward the other person. It's kind of cool because you can actually get there, but the decision leads to the emotion. 
And if you let the emotion lead to the decision, your emotions are going to control you. And that's not always the healthiest way to live. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's ever the healthiest way to live for your emotions to control you. On some rare situation, in other words, if if I see you about to be hit by a bus and my emotions cause me to thrust myself in front of the bus to save you, then yeah, you're right in the sense that it'll kill me. It won't be healthy, but (laughs) it's still something we look at and say, but we understand the emotions took over and the person did what they need to do, but mostly in life, Mm -hmm. emotions can lead us astray much more often than they can lead us the other direction. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, what happens next? If so, I've forgiven in this instance, right? Like, let's say my husband cheated on me. I make the decision to forgive. So then, what's next? Then, rebuilding trust, which is going to require some kind of accountability. In other words, if I just say to Alice, well, okay, you've forgiven me, so everything's okay now, and I'm just going to go, you know, live out here in any way I want to, she's going to be saying, no, I, I need to know where you go. I need to know what you do for a while. I need to know who you're having lunch with because I, I need some security for a while. And that's very understandable. Like, I need some kind of a process where we can rebuild trust because you have violated trust. And if you just look me in the eye and demand that I trust you again, all kinds of warning bells go off inside of me. And so we would say you build some kind of accountability, not draconian, not like one person becomes the master and the other the slave, not like one becomes the parent and the other a child, but some kind of accountability that's agreeable to both so that trust can be rebuilt. And that's if you've decided to reconcile. If you've decided to reconcile. That's correct. Reconciliation is actually a pretty complicated process. We'll talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what I was about to say. So even if there's some of the people listening and who have said, well, we aren't reconciling yet, but they've had an affair, then you still need to do everything up into this point. And I even think the point we're about to head into, you still need to do as well. But if you do decide to reconcile, then the accountability and rebuilding trust is key there. And there's a whole lot that goes, it goes into that. Yeah. So the final point is at, is that at some point you must begin to move on and stop talking about the pain either way. There are the people who have, you know, their spouse had an affair and they ended up divorcing and they're still living in that. Like that guy from his first marriage who's still living in that or there's the people who they reconcile and both of these are bad. I don't think either is worse. Both of them are bad in their own ways. But if you keep talking about the pain to your spouse as you're reconciling, how are you ever going to move past this? You shouldn't live at in that time. You shouldn't be as what it, how did you say it earlier? Um, like just wallowing, <laughs> wallowing, but connected, like joined together to that, traumatic time in your life. You need to move on from it. (laughs) Yeah. We know that, that there has to be conversations. You have got to deal with issues. We also know that, and this is more of an art than a science. We can't say, okay, it exactly 15 minutes or 15 conversations or 15 days. We can't tell you that it's more of an art than a science, but at some point you have to move on and quit talking about it. That's where, by the way, Kimberly, sometimes people will use one of our coaches when they go to the reconciliation process and by using our coaches, our coaches can say, okay, let's move to the next point uh, because the reconciliation process that we've developed, which is extremely effective, 
actually, we use our hands to illustrate it, and it actually goes through a process like this. And, and you don't start off by discussing your issues because that's the wrong place to start. Now, unfortunately, most of the time, counselors have to start you there because you're paying them 150 bucks an hour or something. And it's like, well, let's get to it. But we've developed a process to help you get to the point of talking about all the things you need to talk to, but in a structured way so that you can actually have a completion of the process. Because at some point, you, you can't just keep hanging on to it or be glued to it. All right, well, those are some principles up front. We uh, now would like to go to one of the questions. People write questions and send them in to us. Because they're writing them, then obviously they can't read them aloud for us. And so we ask various team members at Marriage Helper to read these questions for these people. And it also gives you a chance to meet some of our team members because we get to work with some awesome people, <laughs> some really awesome people. So let's go to our first question. Hey, everybody. My name's Nathan. And I'm a coach here at Marriage Helper. I speak with people every day just like you and help them navigate their marriage situation. Dr. Beam and Kimberly Holmes have asked me to read a question that was submitted by one of our listeners for today's episode. Here's a question from Gerard. He asks, My wife was in a one-year affair. She's very remorseful and has worked hard on reestablishing trust. It's one year since she ended it. We're on a good path, and I recognize what I can do to better maintain a healthy relationship. But what can I do to find the peace to forgive? So let's key on that last phrase in that question. What can I do to find the peace to forgive? It's been over for a year. It lasted for a year. It's been over for a year. She's remorseful. She's doing everything she can to put it back together. And he is too. But he still has this hurt hanging on back there. Now, that might mean that he will need a therapist or a counselor to help him work through that. Okay, just help me deal with this because there's a thing called a grief process. And in the grief process, you know, you have to go starting over here where it's like shock and denial, that kind of thing, all the way to over here where it's like finally being able to accept it. Now, he's been going through this for a year and still hasn't got to that acceptance point where he can find peace within. Now, this is going to sound mean, so forgive me because I don't want to sound mean, but I need to be a little bit direct here if I can to maybe put this in perspective for you. What is it that you want her to do that she hasn't done yet so that you could find peace within? Do you want her to hurt more than she's hurt so far? Is that what you want? Do you want her to grovel? like being on her hands and knees almost, at least metaphorically, and telling you over and over again how sorry she is, how terrible she is, et cetera. Is that what you want from her? Do you do you want somehow her to do some magic thing where she waves a magic wand and all your bad memories go away? What I'm saying is if you still can't find peace within with a woman who is remorseful, that's what you said, who wants to put the marriage back together, who knows that what she did was wrong, now trying to, to develop the right relationship with you again, not finding peace within the forgiver. What is it that you want her to do? Now, as a second part of that, reverse it. If you decide, well, yeah, I think I do want her to hurt more. I think I do want her to grovel. I think I do. Look, there's some things she can't do. Like she can't get in a time machine and go back and make it not happen. That's an impossibility. But let's flip it around and say that you are the one who cheated, which is a bad thing. It's always a bad thing. 
And now your wife's trying to find peace in forgiving you. And what if she were to say to you the very thing that you might be thinking right now? Well, yes, I do want you to hurt more. How would you feel about that if that's what she was telling you she needed from you before she could forgive you? Yes, I do want you to to grovel and talk about how bad you are. I need that. You see, then it wouldn't be fair at all, would it? It's like, do I manufacture hurt? Do, Do I just need to wallow in how bad I was? Do I need to hang on to that for the rest of my life? Is that what you want me to do? Self flagellation over and over again. Is that what you want me to do? So you can find peace to forgive me. If you were aiming that at you, you would find that cruel. Like that's just not right. And so what is it you want her to do? I'm, probably here you're thinking right now i want her to go back and make it not ever happen that's impossible it did happen and if you're going to find peace to move on in uh peace to move on i guess i should say peace comes inside of you not by what's outside but what's inside because when things around you are going on and whether you have peace or not depending upon that you're going to spend a lot of your life in stress (laughs) <laughs> because life is stressful. There's so many things going on. Oh, my goodness, the government's doing that. Oh, my goodness, look at the taxes. Here's inflation. Here's the, the coronavirus. Here's this. Here's that. And if your peace within is going to be based on what other people are doing, you're going to be miserable till the day you die. Peace comes within, and it comes from accepting. Now, let me give you kind of a strange illustration, but it fits with this. Our oldest daughter, Angela Michelle, we call her Angel. When she was born, she could not breathe for the first seven minutes of her life. Lost uh, millions upon millions of brain cells. And so Angel is educably mentally retarded. Actually, she was diagnosed as trendably mentally retarded. Now I realize they don't use that phraseology anymore. Retarded has become something bad. But that's how she was classified back when she was three years old, which means she was actually a level under educably mentally retarded. Angel, for example, money makes no sense to her. You could offer her a $100 bill and a $1 bill and ask which one she wants. It'll be the one closest to her. She'll pick it up. She has no comprehension of those things. And so when we begin to realize she's not like other children, we could hope that things had been done differently, that maybe she could have breathed for those first seven minutes. We could look back and hang on to all kinds of things, be mad at the doctor that delivered her because he did something that he shouldn't have done. But what, what advantage is there to that? Where is the peace? You accept what you can't change. And so we accepted that Angel's just different. She's happy. She's as happy as she can be. One of the most loving people on planet Earth. And she she doesn't even worry when Congress is in session. (laughs) And so we look at that and go, accepting Angel as she is, we feel good. We feel peace. She feels peace. And so sometimes it's accepting that what has happened has happened. You can't undo it. Don't try to go back and figure everything out. Well, why did she think like that? Why did she feel like that? What if I had done that? What if this other idiot had not come into? No good. No good comes from that. It's a matter of saying within me is where the peace comes from is accepting that it happened, accepting that it's over. So what else, Kimberly? Realizing that reconciliation is a process. We talked about it a bit before we read this question, but it very well may be that you feel that this reader feels stuck because 
they haven't moved through the reconciliation process and they don't understand that there's more to coming back together and setting a new plan and vision for your marriage that can get you focused on the future instead of focusing so much on the past. So we would recommend that you attend our workshop and that you then do our exploring reconciliation course along with a coach so that you can move forward. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a path, a process mm-hmm. where you can talk about your feelings, mm-hmm. but there are other things you need to talk about as well. You can talk about the problems, but it's at the right time and the right place in this series of things to talk about. And, and this process has been validated and proven by our coaches working with people, all kinds of great things happening there. So don't just think saying, well, I forgive you. Let's go back and live together and things are going to be okay. There's still some issues underneath there that we can actually teach you a process that step by step by step you work through so you can find that peace within. But understand, it comes from within. We can get some things to help you get there, but it's from within. Well, Kimberly, I hope I didn't confuse that with all the various rambling I did through there. Maybe we can get more specific if we uh, if we can go through the next question. Hello, everybody. My name is Jared. I'm one of the coaches here at Marriage Helper. Uh, you may also have seen me on the Tuesday Night Support Call. I'm In addition, I'm the head admin of our uh, Facebook team. Dr. Beam and Kimberly have asked me to read a question that has come in. Alex says, my wife does not see the harm in remaining friends with the affair partner. I have explained my trust issues, my pain, and how I feel disrespected. Her response is that those are my issues to deal with and that it's all about me, not her behavior. If I truly were forgiving, I would trust her. How do we get past this? Part of what we discuss at the workshop, which I'm not going to go into depth here now, but when we talk about forgiveness, We also speak about how important it is that the person who did the offending thing, so in this example, it's the woman who had the affair, can understand how hurt the person who was offended, so in this case, the husband, is about this situation. And it seems like a couple of things could be happening with this wife, but one of them could be she doesn't understand how much he's hurt. Although he has said, I've tried to tell her my pain, how I need to feel respect, how I have trust issues, but there's something there to where either she's not hearing it or she doesn't want to hear it. And so it can be very difficult to forgive when a person refuses to see the pain that they are, that they are causing or that they did cause. It can also be difficult to forgive when the person isn't going to do what it takes to rebuild trust. And in this case, the fact that she's continuing to see the affair partner is not helping rebuild trust. It's making it worse. You see, if I try to tell you how much you hurt me and you basically blow it off, hey, buddy, that's your problem, not mine. I feel as if that you don't care about what I feel. Uh, that you're not accepting responsibility, that at least at the very least, you're not empathizing with the pain. And if you've ever had a situation in your life where somebody did that to you, you were, you were trying to tell them this hurt me and they just blew you off. Like, get over it, pal. You didn't walk away feeling good. You walked away feeling misunderstood. You walked away feeling used, perhaps manipulated, et cetera, et cetera. And so in this particular case where the wife doesn't do that, 
Would you agree, Kimberly, then that it's going to be difficult for him to be able to go through the whole forgiveness process as long as she refuses to understand or even try to empathize with the pain he feels, not only from what she did, but the fact that she's still being friends with this other guy. So I would agree that it is difficult for him, for them to go through the reconciliation process, but he can go through the entire forgiveness process. Well, he can forgive, but reconciliation won't take place. Right. Exactly. Good point. Excellent point. I'm glad you said that. But it seems, so he didn't actually have a question. I would think the implied question here is what do I do? But it, this is where we would say you have to have a stop. I would think because she's continuing to do a behavior that is harming him and, or the relationship. She's continuing to see the affair partner remaining friends with the affair partner, even though they are not intimately involved. Mm -hmm. So she says, so she says, but then again, why would he believe that? Exactly. She's saying, well, I know I lied to you before. I know I cheated on you before, but although I'm still being friends with this guy and seeing him, I'm not doing that anymore. You know that he's sitting there thinking, how can I believe that to be true? Because here you are in this situation when people refuse to empathize or don't even try or refuse to accept responsibility. This is what my behavior caused in you. This is what my my behavior led to occurring in your heart, your mind, your soul. If I don't do that, then my sensitivity to you is pretty much lacking. And so the question would become with a guy like this, well, if she's still seeing the guy, which is still tearing you apart, and she refuses to take responsibility for her behaviors, she refuses to empathize with your pain, do you think they have a decent future together if that never occurs? No. This is either... It, this And this is why the reconciliation process that we teach is so key, because you can't just say, well, she ended the affair and then we didn't talk about anything else. And she wants to continue to stay friends with the affair partner. You haven't fixed anything. Yes, may, maybe, hopefully, they're not physically involved. Hopefully. Hopefully. Or emotionally, hopefully. Even if they're not. Right. So the other part of this is what I would feel if I were this husband is but you still care more about that relationship because you are unwilling to end it in any capacity. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think's going on? Of course, we don't know her, so we'd have to guess, but what do you think's going on when she says, well, this is a problem. This is your problem, not mine. It's a defense mechanism. She's putting the blame back on him when she's the one who actually needs to do the changing. Now the catch 22 in this is he can't make her change. No, he, can't. he can't make her end the relationship and get the guy out of her life for forever. The only thing he can do is express how he feels, how it's affecting him, and asking either asking her to stop it, which it seems that he has done, or if that does not work, making the decision of do I set a safeguard that offers protection? Is this where I'm willing to draw the line and say, this is something you need to stop doing or I need something to happen that's going to protect me. 
And that is something we have built into our Exploring Reconciliation course. There's a point where you talk about the pain, the hurts, the problems, that kind of stuff. But there's also a point where we call them stops. As Kimberly just said, safeguard that offers protection like this. I, I need to be protected emotionally here. And so this is something that has to stop. There, it's much more complicated. We can't explain it all here. We did some videos on it that lasted about three and a half hours and just still <laughs> didn't explain it as much as we wanted to. But what I'm trying to say here is this. We look at you going, and Kimberly made an excellent point. Yes, you can forgive. But doing the two things we talked about, I'm going to decide to see her as a flawed human being. I'm going to decide not to take vengeance. And therefore, you will forgive. And you can work through the pain and agony from all of that. Reconciliation is extremely difficult to do when the other person refuses to empathize with your pain. It's extremely difficult to do when the other person doesn't take responsibility for their own actions, but they put it back on you. This is your problem, not my problem. Because forgiveness without accountability actually winds up being uh, permission. If I'm not putting some kind of accountability to this, then you can do whatever you want to do. And and that typically works out very badly. So, Kimberly, we usually on these programs try to wind up saying, here's what you can do to fix this. So what would we recommend that he do, even though you just said it? It's true. He can't change her. What would we recommend to this guy to do? Well, first, recommend him maybe trying again because we don't know how he's expressed anything to her so far. So trying again and, and doing it from an, this is how it makes me feel when you continue to see him, I feel unvalued, unhurt, whatever it is. I don't want to put the word in your mouth and see if that begins to connect with her. If she begins to see why this is so important to you. If that doesn't work, if she's unable to see it, you may want to ask her to go through this exploring reconciliation process with you and one of our coaches because when you have that third party who can hear both of you as they're guiding you through this material, there's going to come the point in it where you do talk about behaviors that need to stop and the way that it makes you feel and setting up that accountability. That's a, that's a, that's a less defensive way to go through the process. So she's less likely to get defensive with a third party who's on both of your sides, as opposed to feeling like maybe you're just trying to control her if that if that may be how she feels. So that's where I would recommend. What about you? What would you add? I agree with that wholeheartedly. Forgiveness, you can do on your own. Reconciliation actually takes two. And we do have that process for it. And if she refuses to accept responsibility for her actions, like this is your problem, buddy, not mine, you would have to be the one to make a decision. Do I want to live like that? And if you make that decision, how is that going to affect you as you go through life? Is it going to destroy you? Is it going to affect you in a neutral way where it doesn't bother you one way or the other? Or is it going to make you stronger and better? And you have to make those decisions. It's a tough situation. If indeed you can get her potentially to come to one of our three-day intensive workshops with us, that's where we do our best to help people understand that. We would not get in her face. We won't be mean. We don't get mean with anybody. But we talk pretty straight about a whole lot of things and do some really intense education uh, that helps people understand a lot of things that they just didn't grasp before. And because of the fact that you go through with several other couples who are also in some kind of distress or difficulty, it's amazing how much you learn from each other. 
So you, yes, in our show notes, you can see the link to find out more about our workshop. And on that page, you can schedule a meeting with one of our client relations reps to find out more about the workshop, or you can also download our workshop brochure there that gives a little bit more information about it as well. We have our workshops in person and online. And so there, you can join from anywhere in the world, or you can come join us in Nashville, Tennessee. We have both those options. And we would do our best to help her, not by preaching at her, not by lecturing her, not by chastising her, not by embarrassing her, certainly not by manipulating her. But we would do our best to get it to the point where that your spouse begins to understand his or her responsibilities and begin to empathize with you. So, Kimberly, what are some key takeaways from today's program? First and most importantly is you forgive because it is the best thing for you to do even if you don't yet feel like it. So remember, the forgiveness is choosing to see the other person as flawed, not evil, and choosing not to take vengeance. Once you choose not to do those things, it helps you forgive. You make the decision to forgive. The second, for the sake of your marriage and your family, we hope that you do the third part of forgiveness, which is to reconcile, to make that choice together to put the marriage back together and to make it work. And we can help you do that with the resources we've talked about, our workshops, reconciliation process that we take people through. We would love to help you do that. Number three, also talking about that reconciliation process, the the a key point of that is that there needs to be an understanding of both parties involved. Both sides need to understand each other, the pain that was caused, all of those things in order for healing to really happen. And number four is that trust has to be reestablished. And it's not by trying to control the other person, but by agreeing upon how you can best rebuild trust together. But also fifth point is don't think that just by saying, I forgive you, that you can reconcile, that things are good, that things are fine. It really is a process. And as we can see with that second question, if it's not done well, if it's not done thoroughly, then it can even look like the forgiveness might turn into enablement or permission and or you turning into a doormat. And that's not the goal either. Forgiveness is to lead to reconciliation and reconciliation to putting the marriage back together the best way possible. And we can help you do that. So go and check out our workshop brochure. That is a free resource we have for you today, as well as we have a free ebook that you can download that we will link to on what to do after an affair. So you can find that free ebook. It will be in the show notes and you can access that for even more information. Well, we have come to the last episode. This is the last episode of this particular season. Kimberly, thank you for once again doing this with me. We have become so busy. We don't get to do many things together anymore. And this program is one of those things we get to do together. So thank you for taking the time to be on here that we could uh, share with people and hopefully help them have better lives and marriages. Well, hello um, to whoever may be listening. I'm going to say right now that if you're listening to my voice, it's because you have recognized that the relationship you're in needs some help. And I'm going to tell you that having attended this three-day workshop with Dr. Joe and his team, um, 
you know, it is going to give you the tools and just the way you will learn how to communicate effectively around hard conversations in a safe environment. I can tell you that if you take the workshop, you will learn and you will feel so comfortable in being open because you're in a you're in a setting uh, that is set up to be safe with people that are going through. I don't want to say similar problems that you may be having, but certainly recognizing that they have some uh, challenges that they're going through. So if you're looking for a workshop that's going to help you uh, with tools and understanding and giving you time to self-reflect on who you are, this is the workshop. Absolutely. I just wanted to say Ian and I have been married for 32 years, have known each other for 40 years. We've had a bump in our relationship, a pretty big one. I won't go into details, but... Two months ago, I really didn't think that there was a chance our our marriage would survive. And I went onto a forum and actually Marriage Helper came up as highly recommended. And so I looked into the videos. I looked at a lot of Joe Beam's um, videos that he had, lots of resources there. And, you know, we started talking and I really couldn't just give up on our relationship. And I, I wanted more. And so I talked to Ian, I said, let's, you know, let's go for this and see. Uh, We did a counseling session first with somebody from Marriage Helper that helped. She encouraged us to also take this weekend workshop and it has really delivered. It has really helped us um, open up communication. And I can say that I'm like 99.9% from forgiving him and 100% sure that I want to continue our marriage. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Please refer to the notes in the description to learn more about any resources mentioned in this episode. Please visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about our online courses, marriage workshops, and coaching. We exist to help save marriages and strengthen families. We look forward to interacting with you on the next episode of Relationship Radio.